In, uh, in the 1980s, there was an ad campaign by Gatorade called Be Like Mike. Anybody remember the Be Like Mike campaign? All right, a few, few hands. Uh, that's, that's good. I didn't want to be the, the only one. The ads were fun. They had this uh, series of people, uh, uh, typically little kids and, and then adults, that were um, either mimicking basketball poses by Michael Jordan, uh, the star at the time, or, or playing basketball with Michael Jordan. And then it was all set to this, uh, this catchy song that talked about being like Mike. Now, I don't know if the ad sold more Gatorade or not, but I can tell you this, they did have an impact on little boys at least who wanted to play basketball. And I know this because I was one of them. Right? These, these commercials invited us to think about what it would be to be like Mike and to imagine our future. I even, I even got the pose down. It's like this. Uh, okay, so now you're wondering, could he really slam dunk? I had a mean dunk on the Nerf hoop in our basement. I just want you to know that. The, uh, the commercial caught a lot of hearts today. It, it remains on lots, if you see like greatest sports videos of all times, it's lots of times on those, on those lists. So today, I thought of that because we are going to hear a similar invitation. Today's invitation is to be like Jason. And right now you're like, who is Jason? Why would we want to be like Jason? We're going to explore the Bible today and find out. Would you pray with me? Holy God, speak to us in these moments, through these words, in spite of these words, whatever it takes, God, to speak to our hearts today. May each one of us hear the message that you have for us. May, may we begin to see, God, what you want us to see in the world today. May we hear and know and accept and live out an invitation to know your love in Jesus and to share it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right, Matthew and Mark and John and Timothy, Paul, these are, these are all names I'm going to guess that most of you know are in the Bible. They're, they're Bible characters that you know. How many of you know that Jason is a character in the Bible or could go find Jason in the Bible? Okay, good. We're all going to learn something today. Actually, some of you right now are like, is he making that up? There's not really just like a Jason in the Bible, is there? Well, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 17 today, and we're going to answer that question about Jason. To, uh, to find Jason in the Bible, we have to visit uh, Thessalonica in Greece to one of the places where Paul went and planted a church. There is a Greek Orthodox church there today, and it's modern-day Thessaloniki. And if you visit modern-day Thessaloniki, in, in, the, in the center of the city, there's this church called the Hagia Demetrios, which really just means the Church of St. Demetrius. And the church site itself dates back to the 4th century, and it was built to St. Demetrius. But if you go down into the crypt of the church, all the way down underneath, you actually find there's the remains of a Roman road and a Roman bath there, likely a central part of the ancient community. And you can just begin to imagine that here is probably 
a street that Paul walked on as he, as he taught the, the people about who, who Jesus was. It's here in a moment that we're going to meet Jason. We, we picked up the story in the book of Acts chapter 17, starting at verse 1. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, Paul said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. The story goes on. It says, but other Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. Does this sound familiar? People forming mobs of hate and attacking those who don't conform to their way. The story keeps going. It says, but when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They're all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. So now we've met Jason, the real character in the Bible here in this story. We know a little bit about what he does. The, the story tells us just a little bit more. It goes on. It says, uh, Acts 17, 8, when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. If you read on in Acts chapter 17, we're not going to take time to do that today. I hope you'll uh, take it home and, and read more. Acts 17 is this, it's filled with these great stories of the early church. But if, if you read on, you'll find that the next day, the, the believers, we have to believe including Jason, they, they probably met with Paul and Silas, and then the, the story tells us that they sent them on to Berea, another, another town in Greece, so that they could, could stay safe, safe from these crowds. So we don't know much about Jason, but think about what we do know. Here's what we do know. We know that Jason was an early follower of Jesus, right? We know that Jason provided the gift of hospitality, and we have to imagine that he knew in this young birthed religion of followers of, of Jesus being persecuted both by the Roman Empire and by the, the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders, Jason had to have known that, that this came with persecution and with danger likely knew the risk that was faced by everybody who claimed Jesus as Savior. We know that Jason was willing to go to jail for his belief, and instead of Paul and Silas. And we know that Jason and others in the community, the Bible doesn't say this, but we have to we have to know because the, the church in, Thessala, in Thessalonica, it continues to grow. So we have to know that Jason and others in the community, they remained committed to the faith. 
They continued to grow the church there. And we know this because 250 years later, later St. Demetrius, with the church that's built, he was martyred there as, as part of that church in the Roman bath. That's why the church was built in around 300. Jason was all in for Jesus. All in for Jesus. And you see, the, the love of God in Jesus, it didn't, it didn't spread throughout the world simply because of a handful of, of faithful disciples. I, I mean, I think sometimes we, we think that. We know the Matthews and the Marks and the, and the Pauls. But the love of Jesus has spread through the world because of a, a whole lot of often unnamed or, or, or nearly missing from the record people who were all in for Jesus alongside them. Everyday folk like you and me who've said, I'll be all in so that others know this love of Jesus that I know. I, we, we're sitting here today because there have been people who came before us who, who dedicated their lives and said the most important thing is that more people know this love of Jesus that we know. And this love, it, it, it doesn't spread throughout the world because knowing Jesus suddenly makes life easier. Right? Many of you know this. Right? When you've come to accept the love of Jesus, it hasn't just made life magically easier. Everything in the world all better. No, spreading, spreading the love of Jesus is, isn't the easy path in life, but it's promised to be the fulfilling path in life. And the true mark of a, of a follower of Jesus isn't what one does when life is easy and, and a cakewalk. The true mark of a follower of Jesus is what one does when life is hard, when things are difficult. You see, the earliest followers of Jesus, they could have hidden who they were to avoid persecution, but they didn't. They went all in with their very lives for Jesus. The early church, they could have just imploded and, and broken up amid the, the divisions and the, and the challenges and the opposition, but they didn't. They went all in for this love and let it, let it hold them together. The early church, they, they could have given up when, when some of them left, returning to the judgment of the Pharisees or, or left and, and went back to the ways of the world, but, but they didn't. They were all in. They followed in the way of Jesus. They stood as witnesses and they changed the world. It'd be pretty easy to argue that, that the, the life of a follower of Jesus isn't easy right now in our world. And the question we might ask is, will we be like Jason? Will we be all in? Do we believe that this love that we know here can change the world? You remember how I said I was uh, influenced by the Be Like Mike campaign? I was the point guard on our seventh grade basketball team. Then I grew before everybody else and I moved inside. And uh, I loved playing basketball when I was a kid, although I wasn't particularly great at it. Um, when I got to high school, I was asked by Coach Foster, our high school basketball coach, if I would be a, a team manager. 
Um, the benefits of the team manage, manager job was that you, you got to sit in the booth sometimes and film the games, or you got to be like a scorekeeper at the table, which was fun. The downside, of course, was dirty towels, lots and lots of dirty towels that you had to wash. Um, what I really came to realize was that Coach Foster was asking me to be the team manager so that I wouldn't be disappointed when he had to tell me I didn't make the team. <laughs> this way I could still contribute, so I took the job. I remember my senior year, uh, we were just probably maybe halfway through the season, the team wasn't playing very well, and, uh, um, which wasn't really a surprise because uh, my, my class in the four years that we were at Palmyra High School, I think in recorded history, we're the only group that never sent a team to state championships in any sport. Like we were, I was not the only one who was not athletic in this class. Right? This team, actually, there was only one senior. Most of the starters were juniors. And uh, it was about halfway through the season. And th there had been a, a, a really bad loss to a team that, you know, typically Palmyra would beat. And I remember thinking that I'd be coming in Monday to, to practice with the team and that I would get to hear Coach Foster just like light into them. He, he had a way with words sometimes when the team had played badly. But on this day, I think I remember it because it was so much different. On this day, he sat down with the team as practice started. He had them run a little bit. You know, that's what you do. And, uh, and then he sat down with the team, and he said, I love you guys. And you have as much talent as some of the teams that I have taken to state championships. And then he said this. He said, the problem here is not talent. The problem, and the question you need to ask is, who are you playing for? Are you playing for the team? Are you playing for yourself? Are you all in for you? Or are you all in for your teammates? And then he said, because I think you'll find I think you'll find that if you go all in for this team, for each other, that the challenges that you're facing right now won't seem so insurmountable, and you'll be able to do things as a team that you can't imagine possible right now. I've never forgotten that locker room talk. Are you all in for the team, or are you all in for yourself? It may be worth noting that this team, which was undersized and, in all honesty, under-talented, despite what he said about as much talent as other state championship teams, this team went to the state semifinals the very next year. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel, there's this teaching of Jesus it's in response to the disciples' questions about the future. Like, where are we going? What's going to happen? Jesus has told them that he's going to die, and, and they can't wrap their minds around that and what it means and what it's going to look like. And so Jesus turns to them, and he says some version of this in all three Gospels. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Are you all in for Jesus? Willing to give your very life for Jesus? 
Or are you all in for yourself? There's a subtle, but I think vitally important difference that sometimes gets missed when we talk about following Jesus in the church. You see, there's a, a difference between inviting Jesus in our, into our lives to follow us or be our insurance plan. There's a difference between that and giving our whole lives, our whole selves to follow Jesus. It's easy to just go through and, and say, yeah, I'll turn to Jesus when I need Jesus. Jesus is my insurance plan. Jesus is the, the, the ticket to make sure that I get, get, to, get to heaven later versus saying, you know what? I'm all in. I'm all in for this daring way and path and plan that, that Jesus showed us for changing the world and, and beginning the process of building God's kingdom in the right here and the right now. Jesus, Jesus didn't die just to keep us safe. Right? Jesus died to show us a radical way to a more fulfilling, loving, and hopeful life achieved together as his followers. Jesus, he says, like, when you are all in with me and for me, you're going to move mountains. Jesus says, when you are all in with and for me, you're going to see healing and transformation take place that you didn't even know was possible. When you are all in for and with me, you're going to get to be a part of God's salvation, part of what God is, is doing in your community and the world. So as followers, we just hear this invitation from Jesus. Will you be all in? Will you be a world changer with me? What does this look like? What has all different kinds of ways that it manifests itself? Our food pantry team, right? Our food pantry team is all in for what Jesus is doing. And, and Sue and the team, they just keep saying yes when, when the Holy Spirit puts something in front of them. And in the last couple of years, we've added a mobile pantry and we've added DoorDash. And, and the question has always been, do we have the funding and do we have the people? And, and God provides the funding and the people as, as they're all in, in in ways we couldn't have imagined years ago because of that commitment. Many volunteers, we're feeding more people than ever. This is what happens when, when we're all in. Last year at about this time, we were talking about commitments, and we had a, a small group of people that committed $40,000. They said, we'll be all in for the ministry of Clay Church. They committed $40,000 as a, as a matching gift for anybody who this year said that they would raise their giving $50 or $100 a month across 2022. Several of you took that offer and so we were able to match that 40000 In a finance team meeting this week, we, we saw the impact of those all-in steps in our funding for ministry and outreach this year. What we are doing in outreach and ministry this year wouldn't be possible without those who said, yeah, we're, we are all-in in our generosity and our commitment to be in this church together. Today, you're, you're going to get a, a look if you didn't, I, I think maybe they were in the life guides for this service. If not, you can get one as you go. You get a, a first look at our, at our um, uh, ministry ahead plan. It's a, a plan that put together by our leadership team to, to guide our ministry in the next several years. An all-in commitment for, for Jesus, you'll, you'll see in the plan, it's going to mean more people embraced in the love of Jesus. It's going to be more 
more outreach of support to kids and, and to elders in our community through our partnerships. Today, we're, we're invited to, to think not a, just about how we're all in for Jesus, but how we might be all in for Jesus as part of Clay Church and the ministries that are impacting our community and our world. This isn't going to be easy. People look at the landscape, I think, of, of the world today, and they're like, "Where, you know, uh, uh, churches are, most churches are shrinking, and, and there's lots of division, and there are lots of people who, who seem to not want to have anything to, to do with church. This isn't, this isn't going to be easy, but maybe that's the, the reason that it's, it's more important right now than ever to hear this invitation, because God needs God's church. Maybe, maybe we can remind ourselves that we are here today because somebody was all in for Jesus before us and, and showed us that love, offered us that invitation. And if we commit to be like Jason, to be all in for the church, for the future, somebody is going to be in a worship service like this one in 10 years or 20 years or 50 years or 500 years because we were all in and shared that love. Because if Jesus says that if, if we're all in, the impossible becomes possible. God can do even more than we can ask or imagine. There's this song that I probably had heard in the church, but, but the first encounter that I really remember with it was at a Billy Graham crusade. And Billy Graham had invited commitments to Jesus and invited us to be all in and and then we were at the Hoosier Dome, that will date me a bit, at this crusade, and, and everybody just began singing together. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Would you join me in singing that? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. What does it look like in our lives? We say these words, what, what might it look like in your life and my life to say, yeah, Jesus, I, I want to be a part of what you're doing and I am all in. What, what step can each of us take? In your life guide today, I want you to invite you to open it up right now and, and you'll find a card in that life guide. It's a, it's a commitment card. It's an opportunity to, to tool really for us to, to pray and reflect on what, is it, what does it look like in our lives to take a step in committing our lives to Jesus. And I want to invite you to just grab that card and hold it in your hands right now. And on one side of that card, you'll find, you'll find sort of the overview of our Clay Church strategic plan. Now, you're going to hear more about the specifics of these areas. Actually, we're going to talk a little bit more about it next week. But Essentially, these are all areas that our, our strategic planning team, our leadership team, has been working on for about a year and a half, and they've identified these areas where we can, we can grow together, we can focus together to be what God is calling us to be as the church. And so this is one side of the card is just for you to think about, you know what, 
if I was going to be all in for Jesus, what, what would it look like in my life to, to share my gifts, my resources, my talent in these areas? The idea is not for you to be like, yeah, I want to be part of all of these. I mean, that, that's great if you do, but really it's to, it's to invite you to pray and say, do you know what? I, I really love caring for people. I think my gift, I want to be all in for caring for people through Clay Church. Or, you know what, I love hospitality and making sure people feel welcomed. I want to be all in for, for hospitality. Man, I don't think there's anything more important than what we're doing with our kids and our youth. I want to be all in for stronger families. It's a, an invitation to name for you and your family. What, what does all in look like as you think about sharing your gifts? And then on the other side of the card... You'll find an opportunity to to share what all in looks like in your generosity and in your giving. What might it look like for us to be all in, for you to be all in? Recognizing that everything that we have, it doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. So what does it look like to to share out of of that abundance that God has has given us to to be the church together? What step might God be calling you and and me to take in in our generosity toward being all in? Next week on November 20th, we'll have a time in worship where we share these cards, where we'll bring them forward as as part of our commitment. I just want to say, for those who are visiting today, this invitation from Jesus to consider what all in looks like, this invitation to be a part of what God is doing in the world, it's for everybody. And we'd love to have you back with us next week if you're visiting to to be part of of this, this commitment. But but I also want to say, not just to visitors, but to everybody, I think sometimes we get these cards and we're like, yeah, I'm obligated to do this. This is not an obligation. This card is an invitation. It's a spiritual tool for us to just pray about our own lives and say, you know what, I, I want to be a part of what Jesus is doing. What does that look like for me? It's a way to express our commitment. And the financial commitments are also a way for our finance team to, to consider the whole picture of of what's being given and how we can best be stewards of those resources for ministries through Clay Church. As you think about these cards as a, as a spiritual tool, really as a, as, a, as a tool for prayer, I'd like to just lead us in a time right now to reflect and pray on this invitation from Jesus. Maybe this is the first time you've heard an invitation like this. Maybe, maybe an invitation like this makes you nervous. Maybe you're not sure what to think. All of that's okay. I want to just invite us, I want to invite you to hold the card as a way of just imagine this is, this is your invitation. Be a part of what Jesus is doing. And then just let the Spirit guide us in these moments to reflect and, and hear what God has to say to each of us. Let's pray. Holy and loving Savior, Help us to know, help us to know that this card in our hands right now, it's, it's an invitation. Help each of us sitting here today, each of us who will hold one of these cards, just to, just to know that, that this is an invitation to the life that you want for us. An invitation to be part of something life-changing and good, a part of something that has the power to bring hope and goodness and love into our lives and our world. Jesus, I just, I just pray as, as we pray about these cards and pray over these cards that, that each one of us might know that this card can represent how important we are to you. 
that you created us in your image with gifts and talents to share, and you just, you just invite us to share those so we can participate in the goodness of your creation. Lord, I just pray that we might know that our gifts matter. That we might know that the, the more of us who are committed to you, the, the greater the love and justice and hope that we can spread into the world, the, the more we can make the world more Christ-like. And God, we so want a more Christ-like world. In this moment, Lord, may we know your presence. May we feel your, your spirit leading us and calling us and moving us and shaping us and showing us that together, God, we can do more more than we can imagine. So God, now in, in these moments of silence, just speak to each one of us. Speak to us of possibility and hope. Speak to us of the divine image that you have put in us. Call us to love and to serve and show us how our gifts, how our commitment to being all in might make a difference in your church, in your world. Decided 
Turn.